Howdy, howdy, folks. Welcome back to Hoot and a Half. I'm Matt King. And I'm Mike Sheffer. And thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for finding the time in your day to sit down and listen to this podcast. Whether you're driving in your car, on your way to work, on a walk, working out, doing laundry, it means so much to me. And I'm so excited for you guys to listen to today's episode with a close, dear, longtime friend of mine, Will Derbyshire. He is an incredible filmmaker. You also may know him from YouTube. You may know him also from his book. And he also is the boyfriend to the lovely, brilliant, incredibly smart Arden Rose, who I'm actually in a miniseries on on Amazon Prime called Mr. Student Body President. That's it, Mike. I remember that. And uh, it was a really great chat. And Will is actually our first international virtual guest. Um, he's, he's in London. He's in London. So we had to do it over Zoom and record it. But it all went great. And I'm so excited for you guys to listen to it. Mike, did you enjoy the conversation? I truly did. Um, actually, a little bit of insider baseball here. What you're about to listen to is the second conversation we had. The first one we did, we went through the first full hour and it was great. But there was a recording issue and we didn't actually record it. So we decided to just have another conversation immediately after. And honestly, I think this second conversation was even better than the first hour. So um, we uh, <laughs> we turned an obstacle into an opportunity here we at goofed. Two and a Half Studios. We, we, we goofed and we made the most out of it. So without further ado, enjoy this episode with the incredibly talented filmmaker, Will Derbyshire. Enjoy this episode of Hoot and a Half. Ladies and gentlemen, Will Derbyshire is here. The one and only Will from London. From our, London. Our first virtual podcast guest. Good evening to you. It's about, what, 8.30 there? 9.30 now? 9.30. That time has just flown by since we've been doing this. <laughs> well, we're so happy to have you, Will. Will, I love when I get to talk to you, but I get sometimes I get so sad because I wish you were like my next door neighbor. I wish I could see you all the time because I love every time that we do get to see each other, but it's... Not as often as I want because, you know, you live in London, you spend some time here in L.A., then you're back in London. Can you talk about what it's like in London right now with the, uh, I mean, for us, I'm sure you see America, cases are spiking, people are still in lockdown, quarantine, yeah, everything. How's it, how is it over there? How is life on the other side? Life is slowly getting back to normal here. The The apocalypse is reaching its, uh, reaching its end, if that's possible. I mean, it's, I feel like things are getting better slowly here the number of cases has gone down like significantly things are reopening people are still wearing masks on the tube and everything but to get down from like 500 cases to zero cases i feel like is going to be like i don't even know how you do that i don't even know how you would get because like if you think about like three thousand cases to a thousand cases that's like doing obvious things like stopping people coming in through the borders, everyone wearing masks, social distancing. Right. But then to get like a thousand or five hundred to zero has got to be like so that's much harder. Be like a significant yeah. challenge. Yeah. I don't know how. And you were able to get out of the states at just the right time, right before they were about to lock down and ban like international travel. You and Arden kind of were able to get to London at just kind of the right time, right? Yeah, we. I had like a weird suspicion that maybe we would be banned. And so I was actually meant to come two weeks later. And I just had, like, I can't remember exactly what happened, but I think Trump said something about 
banning some people. I don't think he banned the UK initially, but he banned like Europe right. or whatever. But I was like, oh, tomorrow you could just wake up and be like, I'm banning the UK too. So as soon as he did that, I was like, okay, I'm going to just get the earliest flight I can. And I did. So I like left like two days later. And then, yeah, the I think the day or two days after I arrived, he was like, nobody's coming in from the UK. The UK is banned. Whew. So I just got in at that point. And then, yeah, we, we kind of avoided it, uh, avoided the big thing in the US at the moment because we came back like a month or two ago. So uh, we've got lucky actually avoiding like the big stuff was there like a day in the uk where it felt like wow it's over was there like a definitive moment or has it just been slowly by slowly things one thing opens up more things open up what's that process been like to go back to where you are now i i think it's things have been slowly opening up but there was an amazing thing the other day where we went and sat in a restaurant with my family for the first time it was my dad's birthday and we went and we had like a nice dinner in a restaurant with people <laughs> kind of close to us. And it was so surreal because it was like none of us really knew what to do. We were like, I can't believe we're here. This is just like a strange thing. But being able to just like go to the shop and grab some wine and go sit in a, in a park. Like these are things that just feels – they felt so natural and they're starting to feel more natural now. Um, so I'm hoping it's at the end of it. But I mean, how are you guys doing in the US? Are you are you like just locked down every day? Every uh, day? Um, pretty much. Yeah, we've been here, but our friend group, we don't see anybody, but we just like hop to each other's houses. That's about it. Yeah. Like I haven't seen my parents in almost a year. I was supposed to go home for Passover in April and then supposed to go on a trip in August. And like it just we don't get good news over here in the US. <laughs> no, every day it, it's just it, worse and worse. And yeah, and it's so frustrating because the United States is so massive and everybody has these different experiences or perspectives on how it's affecting their community. You know, for us in LA, we're taking it super seriously, but in other places, they're like, now this is no big deal. Yeah. We're just going to continue on with life as yeah. normal. But yeah, that's what's fucked. kind of causing this, the, the, I don't know, the spread and hysteria of it all. So, Will, I've known you for about ooh, how many years now? Five, four years, I think. We met. At VidCon, actually. I was yeah, a, I was a where, big... you, where you seduced me at the party. <laughs> Whoa, what happened here? <laughs> I kind of did. Well, I had seen Will's channel. I thought his videos were just incredible. He was doing something that like, no YouTuber was doing. It was just really well done. Shots and filmmaking. And I thought you had a brilliant mind. And so I ran up to him. I saw him in uh arden at the party they were like hand in hand walking through just loving life because you guys popular popular youtubers at the time and still are but i was like thinking there's no way in chance i'm gonna get will's attention and so will what did, what did i do i you came up to me we started talking and i i, I can't even remember what exactly we spoke about all i know is we we had a conversation matt worked his magic on me and then a couple weeks later we went i went to a screening with arden and matt was there and so then we like we picked up the conversation again 
And then it just happened. Yeah, it was a screening for the movie Crimson Peak, which wasn't that good of a movie. But well, what did no. you say to him at VidCon that you work your magic? Do you remember how uh, you how you seduced him? Yeah, he had a he had a pickup line for me, and it worked. So it, there it, you go. It worked, and then we I think we really connected after the movie because we were talking about it, and he really appreciates film i appreciate film and so the conversation kind of went from there and we started hanging out much more often um from there but and then five years later is we're still here we're still here and we and we've traveled the country together i've gone skiing in the french alps (laughs) with will you have you have and i've gone bouldering and rock climbing um, you have you've done all of it matt along we've, with we, mike yeah we uh that's yeah. that's i mean will and i we've hung out a bunch of times i think will and arden last year for your birthday matt was the first time i ever went to disneyland here in california oh, that was so yes. fun and that was the first time i ever went and it was such a great pe- oh, oh, what a great experience that, was, so that was yeah that was so good you and arden are like disney heads but not like this scary disney people but pretty big disney enthusiasts not like self-serious it's not a religion it's more of a hobby it's like it's not a i don't know if it's like i don't know how i feel about that but it's true we do like disneyland but i don't know if i want to like admit it if i mean everybody loves disneyland who doesn't love disneyland yeah but you uh, don't want to be categorized as like a disney adult that's like a psychopath but yeah but they have you have season passes and when we go Will is just he the knows tour. the map. He knows yeah. which rides to go on. He knows wh- what the route to take is. Yeah. Well, I tell you, I tell you why because we went actually a couple years ago, and I was lucky to go with a friend of mine who was like a really big YouTuber at the time. So we got like this VIP tour, and so this guy who works for Disneyland gave us like this root of all the rides you should do in order and like what the most efficient way of doing them is do you still so have after that? that he was like well he was like these are the ones you should do these are the ones you shouldn't do this is this is the order you should do them in and like this is how this should happen so ever since i've always been like okay i've got this on lockdown i know so you have that memorized happen. like you know you know that route still well it's funny when you get like you when you go to Disneyland, I feel like you do like all the obvious rides. You're on Space Mountain right. or you're on the Indiana Jones ride or whatever. But if you end up like if you have free time, there are so many random rides there that you would never go on that haven't been touched since like 1955. <laughs> like the Peter Pan, the Peter Pan ride is the best ride, but it's like a fossil. Like it just hasn't been changed. Oh yeah, it's a relic. It's, like, it's a relic, but it's amazing. And- but yeah, I, I remember on my birthday though, you gave me one of the best birthday gifts because when I went there, uh, I would see all these pen traders, and I was thinking, oh, I want to get into this. I want to, I want to trade pens. I, I just don't know where to start. And you went into a gift shop and you bought me the pen trading starter pack, which is like the oh, lanyard yeah. with like a starter set of pens that I could start swapping out with people. And by the end, I have a pretty good theme going on. I think I have. You did, and. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know that was a thing until you showed me that was a thing. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah, you can go Disneyland. into any store and swap with a board of pins that they have. So essentially, for those who haven't been to Disney and don't know what this is, essentially, there's like this sort of community of not trading cards, but there's these pins that you can get from either trade with other people in the park, which gives you a reason to interact with strangers, or you can go into different shops and different shops have different like limited editions. And so Matt got like the pin set f- and the whole he day. So, the Matt, pin set. so Matt, the, Matt like is like going and like, he'll just like stop and talk to like a 15 year old kid. He's like, <laughs> Oh, you have the goofy one. 
you want to trade the Mickey Mouse one? And like, yeah, or and he'll it, talk to like someone's or, grandpa. Or it's somebody standing in line and we're just having to be next to them and they have the lanyard on and I'm just like, you know, inspecting all of what they have and <laughs> trying, trying to, to swap the with one. them. It's like these like legal yeah. drug deals happening uh, on the most magical, happiest well, you've, place you've on earth. Seen, you've seen those gangs, right, that hang around Disney, that like the biker gangs? What? Have you seen those no, Disney what is that? gangs? Oh my gosh. They're in, in Disneyland, they have Disneyland biker gangs that wear leather jackets that have like their own logo on the back and they go around and they just keep the park safe. That's what they do. Are they asked to be there or they do that as like... No, 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 no. They do it just because they love Disneyland. But they're like different (laughs) groups. There are different groups. Like, And like one of them is called like Goofy's something something. And like you can see a big Goofy on the back of their leather jacket. And they go around like maintaining the park. And there's like a handful of these different groups. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know what the politics is between the groups. Interesting. But you can see them walking around. That would be a really interesting documentary to focus on. The Disney biker gang? Yes, but Will, what is that interesting Disney village that has this kind of spooky uh, oh, yeah. backbone to it? You were like interested in like, oh, I want to make a film about this, but it's Disney related. Oh, yeah. It was like, there's this, I, I want to make sure I get it right, but there's this, there's a town that Disney made outside of the park in florida called like paradise or like something something like super big and and sunny like that yeah and it's a community that they made for people to live in so they made like like x amount of houses and it's basically like a truman showy type of feel to it like in uh, in the winter they put fake snow on the ground in fall they put fake leaves on the ground there's like this weird community going on there but apparently since it was made like 15 20 years ago they've had like this spike in crime recently <sighs> there's like they found there was this like uh, there was a pedophile in the community and one of the neighbors killed him and he was arrested. There was like this rife swinging community. Like there are swingers everywhere in this place. There's this like seedy underbelly to this town and it's all run by Disney. It's like this. I, I, I think it's called Paradise. It's like living in the Disney compound, but it's for people actually live yes. their day-to-day lives. It's, it's separate yes. outside of the park. Will described it perfectly. It looks like Seaside, Florida, like the Truman Show. The houses, everything is just like perfectly well done. All the landscaping, but they but there's like bring, real families living their lives there. Yes, who but want they to do, and they participate in the fantasy of this being a Disney town. Yes, but it's kind of gone awry celebration it's celebration celebration. that's the name of it oh my gosh but there's such an interesting story behind it and will brought it up but yeah there's there's this weird thing going on there well well our time together is always it's always great and the rock climbing which you know i'm not a big fan of for me you and mike bond all the time when we go rock climbing usually i'm having a miserable time Because, you know, I like to work out and I thought I'd be pretty good at it. I feel pretty fit and strong. And so when I started out, I was handling it pretty well. But then I end up just like kind of stressing myself out. Like, what? how do you think yeah, I approach it, Will? You, Matt, you, you need... You need more elegance on the wall. You need to. You need to. Uh, you need I, to take it easy. Yeah. Are you. You are. 
you're so anxious on the wall and you've got to get into that that zen state of mind where you're just using your fingers everything's flowing everything's happening slowly like the best climbers look like they have superhuman strength it doesn't even look like they're pulling themselves up they're just gliding up the wall slowly uh, yeah but when new people go you are working out muscles you're not meant to work out basically i mean right and yeah. i was kind of feeling myself and i was working up to like about a v2 and i got pretty confident at the top and then right when i released though it took out like a gash in one of my fingers because i hadn't developed the proper calluses a, a professional climber needs and then i remember that i was just firm on saying i hate climbing <laughs> well that'll take you out of commission yeah. from like what you like to do which is work out with yeah weights, i can't, and you can't do that my weights so. and so it, now when i rock climb i'm always in a state of fear but arden kind of explained it to me she's like you just gotta like kind of like hang like a monkey have a sense of grace you're not in a rush to go to the next thing hang and think and move the other thing is you're using your legs more than your arms most of the time like it's less pulling up and more like pushing and pulling up because you're you are jacked and you've got a massive upper body i think you're you have the habit of pulling up and it's always like a scramble to pull up but you've got to use your legs well, just as much I, if not I, more, I, i've basically. skipped all the leg days so there's no way <laughs> that i'm putting those two use but but i like the gym the rock climbing gym it has a nice atmosphere to it, I think. The first time me and Matt went climbing together and we entered the gym, Matt turned around and said to me, I feel like everybody here is an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> and the next time I went, actually, I realized that there were a group of engineers there because they all had like engineer t-shirts on that said like engineer convention 2017. <laughs> so see, Matt, you are right. You are right. I think it's working out for people who don't like working out. And to go to the gym is very repetitive and not so creative where you're just lifting weights over and over and just doing sets. But when you're rock climbing, you have to use your mind as much as your body because it's not just rote memorization of, of, yeah. of specific tasks. You're, you're actively solving a puzzle and then using your body to solve that puzzle. Have you been rock climbing since the quarantine has ended? Because in the U.S., I can't, I don't even know when we're going to be able to rock climb again. I literally just went today for the first time in like, what, five months? Oh, my wow. god, It was amazing. Was it sanitized? Did they have like kind of a different method? It was sanitized. You have to book a slot. So like half the gym is empty. It, it was great. I mean, it's one of those things that I think when COVID started happening, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's going to be one of the first things that gets closed down just because it is like kind of germy because you're touching holds right. that a million people have touched but it's back open i'm happy to be on the wall i'm leaving <laughs> i'm leaving it all on the wall that's my motto <laughs> for, for, do you have one of those yeah. uh gripping hanger things that finger people boards. have a finger finger do you have a fingerboard in your a house hangboard i i have a pull-up bar but then i'm i thought like i might be able to like mount a fingerboard to it so i want to get i want to be really good at it but also, I don't know if I like have the energy to be really good at it because you really have to put time in. Like the people that are really good are doing hangboards with weights. Like they are, they are like strapping weights to them and they are just hanging on their fingertips. Oof. Like it is just brutal. No way. Um, so I don't know if like I don't know. I mean, it. I would love to go outside and do like outdoor climbing on a rock face because that just sounds cool. Mm -hmm. And it looks cool. Have you ever done that? 
No, I've never done it before, but I know it is a very different because one, it's more difficult. I think it's just generally speaking a lot more difficult physically. And also like you don't, you don't know the roots with a gym, you know where to put your hands and your feet. But when you're outside, you're just trying to like work out where to put everything. Uh, for Will's birthday, I got him an Alex Honnold a shirt, but I got it made where it's just Alex Honnold's hands. Alex Honnold is the, the, guy, the from, guy from Free Solo, the free. documentary about the guy who rock climbed the tallest because rock face. Before I think Will started climbing seriously, because the movie got you really into it, Will was just mad. His hands. What are these guys' hands like? You, you, it, you had just this crush on his hands. And so for his birthday, I got a shirt printed out of just... Oh, that's what that was. I remember that. Just yeah. his hands. Because his hands each look like a little bicep. I mean, that guy's hands are... They, they each... Like, each <laughs> finger is its own bicep because all he does is climb walls all yeah, day. Yeah, a friend of mine a friend of mine met him and he just said his hands are like sandpaper. Just these rugged, massive hands. I mean, I, I can watch Free Solo and I'm like, I don't feel like there's a, a better like sporting or physical achievement than doing what he did. Like it's insane. It's when you so watch human. It, you just can't believe it's it. It's just yeah. universe nature. Yes. There's no like there's no ball. There's no score. It's just you against yourself in nature. And if you succeed, it's it's and the ultimate. You're just on tiny little nubs like they're not even on like like you see his fingers he's just like hanging on for dear life like one slip and he's just dead literally yeah no yeah. thank you um i <laughs> no that's not not that's yeah. not not my style okay so will you are from london you've grown up in london you live there your entire life tell yes. me about that growing up what your family was like um Growing up in London was your your typical British schoolboy lifestyle. Uh, I was super nerdy growing up. I uh, did not like sports. I liked photography. I uh, grew up with a brother who was uh, very serious about sports. He was actually a professional footballer until <laughs> uh, up until recently, actually. Uh, and we couldn't be more different. He loves sports. I hate sports. I still, even though he was doing football, I, I just despise football. I have no interest in football. No interest. It is just straight over my head. I, I, I don't understand it. Yeah. On a team? Like, what team is he on? He was on, so he plays in an academy for a number of years. So he moved around to different clubs. And then he would play, I can't remember what uh, league he was in, but he was in like the second or third league. And he played for QPR for a few years. What a polar I know. So, oh, so he was like a big deal in high school? Yeah. he. <laughs> the only way I can describe it is the school loved people that were good at sports because the school was like a creative arty school so when there were people that were good at sports they loved them like it was like the biggest thing because we had a school up the road from us that was unbelievable at sports so if we had anybody that could beat them they pushed them to the front uh -huh. so my brother was amazing at football he was good at rugby he was good at cricket all the fucking stuff you have to do and he, I mean, they would make montages about him in the school assembly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They made a, a James Bond montage about him <laughs> where he starts off by firing and the blood trickles and then the music starts and it's him just scoring those goals. So, I mean, we couldn't have had 
a different upbringing when it comes to that. But. Yeah, because you kind of were similar to me where we were kind of like soft, not really athletic kids. And I remember you saying that a lot of the time during recess, you wouldn't really spend it running track. You would just like be on the side with your friends hanging out, not really wanting to do anything remotely physical. I remember I would deliberately kick the ball into the bush so i could go into the bush and stand in the bush and talk to my friends just so we can have a conversation like it it, we despised sports it it, still to this day i still understand it although i did go to a um, basketball game recently in the u.s and I was like, maybe basketball is my thing. Basketball, it, maybe NBA I, I'm is just a basketball nut. You and me are pretty similar heights, right? Or I think you're a bit taller than me. You're what, six four? I'm six six four. Yeah, six four. I'm six three. You, you got an inch on me, but I didn't get tall until very late in life. Like nobody thought you I like should. Sprouted later? Oh yeah, I think I sprouted a lot in college, and it was funny because I. I yeah, no, I I was not that tall in, in high, school? high school. No, what? Um, and I remember going back to my high school like after I had been in college for like two years, and all the coaches were like, "Who are you? You went here? Where, where were you when we needed you, son? We could have had you out on the court." But yeah, I think basketball could have been my thing, or swimming could have been my thing. I think I kind of like a swimmer's bod, but no, I didn't take advantage of any of that. I just wow. did speech and debate. <laughs> Hope you're enjoying this episode. We're just going to take a quick break to give a word from our sponsors. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now back to the episode. My dad was in a band called Living in a Box, and they had a big song called Living in a Box (laughs) about him living in a box. And the video for it is actually the most 80s thing you've probably ever seen in your entire life. I'm definitely watching that right after this interview. Full flock of seagulls hair, it's all happening. Uh, And then my mom managed an 80s like kind of bluesy, jazzy artist in the 80s, but she had a couple like more poppy songs. And then my stepdad also managed a band uh, in the 80s called Spandau Ballet. And um, they were like a, a big band in the 80s during, during that time. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, 80s music, deeply entrenched in everything I do. It's always there. And I really, I should make an 80s film because I know so much about 80s music now yeah and i bet your dad will just give you the licensing for all the living in the box songs wait wasn't one of the songs of the band that your dad was in wasn't it in black mirror in san junipero that episode yes 
Yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Really? Yes. Have you seen that episode? I don't think so. I haven't seen a lot of Black Mirror, but that's like one of the most popular shows on Netflix. Dude, it's, well, San Junipero, hopefully I'm saying that correctly, that episode of Black Mirror is the best. And Will's dad's <laughs> band. The song. The song is in that yes. episode? Yes. Will. Music royalty over here. Look at this guy. Music royalty. I, but then I'm, I'm, I, I don't have a musical bone in my body. So oh, you don't, what, like, do you not play any instruments or anything like that? I didn't get it. I didn't get the, the... But, you know, sometimes I think when things are going bad for me, I think, fuck, maybe I should have just done music. Maybe I'm meant to do music. <laughs> I didn't realize it. Maybe I mean, I'm really good at music. You're pretty good at film and writing. And I think you've probably found a good place for yourself in this world considering the background but and Mike, all the yeah maybe i'm really good at music maybe like my fingers touch a keyboard and it just it just happens <laughs> like, i'm just i'm just it just it just comes out of me You're you know you hear about those people yeah. that are just gifted maybe that maybe i, I haven't tried it but maybe i'm amazing buy a keyboard will Buy a guitar. Just give it a go. You yeah. got you got the hands for it. They've already uh, strong enough from all of your rock climbing. I bet you could just, just shred away on it. I'm just going at it, and I'm just I'm just I'm just getting songs out. It's just all <laughs> happening. You are an incredible filmmaker, and you are one of my closest friends who I can say, yes, I know a legit filmmaker. You've made incredible YouTube videos and short films. Yes, and yes. I've seen videos of Will that he used to make. On just a tiny like phone camera of him and his friends. So you've been doing film since the early days. That was like your first calling. Yeah, and I, I it's always been there. And I think, um, yeah, I went to film school after I finished uh, school, and it was a two year intensive program. So it's three years compressed into two, which means that everything is done. You know, like you basically you basically have no time off. You basically like in the summer you had two weeks off. Over Christmas you had a week off. Like it was two years of just like. Nine to five, speaking, writing, talking, film every day. Being on um, set, being on set, just getting into that that you know mindset of being in film school. Were you making films when you were a little kid too? Like, did you start making films early on? I made skateboarding films. Oh, and sick. then yeah. I, I I progressed from skateboarding to gaming videos, and then from gaming videos at the same time I was making magic videos my as man well. like, Wait, like magic like magic ma man? magic as in magic like, now you see me magic. oh <laughs> magic. Like Ill illusions and stuff oh i was yeah. thinking what, <laughs> magic the gathering yes that's no, what i was thinking no, the card no well, he's not that nerdy but will likes board games i know arden's like a dungeons and dragons enthusiast or she listens to dungeons and dragons podcast so, okay oh, so wow wait, so wait i was into magic as well when i was a kid did you know a lot of tricks when you were but how how into magic were you as a kid uh, I knew enough tricks just to impress my babysitter when she would come over and take care of us. <laughs> like, I at least right, knew how okay. to, like, summon a card or get her to guess a certain card, make it disappear. But I would prep the house before she arrived because I had a big crush on her and I wanted to woo her. So I would get little magic wax and then put a card on, like, the outside of a window in the backyard and then get her to, like, think of a card or whatever and then throw the entire deck at, at the, the window, window, pull up the blinds, and be like, "Is the this on the your other car?" Side. Oh my god, wow. Matt, that's so—it's so funny <laughs> you say that because that must be one of the first things you learn. Because when we would make these magic videos, we would do the same thing where, like, 
like there's a video somewhere of us going up to a security guard and we had planted a card behind the window of like his building and so we would like basically like lead him to this spot do the trick <laughs> and then you know the cars behind the glass everyone goes crazy wow like yeah. i mean i i would try everything i actually went to magic conventions oh in the uk gosh. what that's so cool i wanted so to go to ev- those when i was a little kid every year in this weird hotel in london there was a magic convention and you would go on the saturday night and you would watch the show which had like five of the up-and-coming magicians and then the next day was the market so you'd go to the marketplace and buy tricks so i'd go every year with my dad it was the weirdest environment people <laughs> far too old to be buying magic tricks and it w- it was crazy i mean you can just buy anything at this place like I saw, um, I loved when I was a kid, Darren Brown. He's like a big oh, magician. Oh, yeah. He does sure a lot of mentalism yes, stuff. Yes, and, yeah. yeah. I saw him walking around one year, scooping up some tricks. It was the place to be. Oh, my God. Uh, so I was really, really it, seriously into it. Mike is very, very good at magic. Anytime when him and David are in the same room or they link up, they're just swapping magic tricks. And it's such a fun thing to nerd out about. It is. And David's been hanging out with David Blaine a lot. So David Blaine will teach something Fuck. that just wows Mike. Like Mike can't. Well, pull. David we, Blaine will teach something to David Dobrik. And then I'll go over to. Wait, what did I say? You just said David, David. It wasn't clear. Oh, Who da- said David Blaine teaching something to David yeah, Dobrik. When is David around. Dobrik just, teaching him? I'm David saying, Blaine a trick he doesn't saying. know. But it's, yeah, it's, it's insane. Did you watch, Will, the David Blaine specials? Did you have those like in London growing up? I did. Yeah, I actually went and saw him. You remember when he did that thing where he was like in a glass box yes. in the UK? Yes, I don't know if you yes, remember yes. that. Yeah, I went and saw him do that. And actually, it's funny. I watched one of his videos on YouTube recently where he eats the glass. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen that, which is just, I, I don't. Oh, I, I've, I've it, seen him do that in person. I think he literally just eats glass. Like he just does He knows the way to just. You like crunch it, it down, digest it, and, yeah. yeah digest, oh. crunch it down enough that it doesn't cause any harm, and your like your stomach acid can just digest. I it, remember but. there was this tr- there was this trick that Darren Brown did, which I mean, there's got to be some weird human rights laws with this trick, but he got this guy for his TV spe- special to walk into a uh, photo booth in the UK. So this guy walks into a photo booth, and the flash of the photo booth puts him into a hypnotic state. Okay, so this guy goes in, goes to take his picture for his passport. The Flash knocks him out, puts him in a hypnotic state. Darren Brown goes in, takes the guy on a plane to Morocco while he's still on the hypnotic state, puts the same photo booth in a Moroccan market, and then wakes him up there. And they filmed it. No, And it was the most confusing thing for this guy. Like, he's in rainy London in... in like it's like nine o'clock at night and he wakes up and he opens up the curtain and he's in a Moroccan market. That can't and be you real. See, no, you uh, see him just start to lose it. He has to see therapy after it. Do you believe they that he did this? A therapist. Do you believe in this will? Do you think he actually did that? Well, for the show, they get like highly susceptible people that can be like hypnotized because hypnotism, I think, only works with like certain people. So this guy had already been picked out as somebody that could be kept into like a susceptible like state of mind. So I don't know. I mean, there was an interview of the guy afterwards and he says that like he had no idea what was happening. So who knows? Mike has done some management work with a handful of magicians and one time 
all of them came out here. They were from the UK, actually. And Mike invited me over. So it was like three magicians just testing tricks out on me. And (laughs) I couldn't believe. Dude, one of the guys guessed my Instagram password. Yeah, the mentalism stuff that they can do now with like iPhones and it, it makes no I don't sense. know, Will, and I felt so violated and <laughs> fooled and spooked. I changed my passwords on everything. I don't know how this guy was able to pull off the trick of knowing what my Instagram password was. There was like this thing where, and actually I, I went to a, a Darren Brown show and he would call on people in the audience. And so these people in the audience would stand up and he'd say to them, uh, what's the, your most embarrassing secret? And he'd say, don't tell me it, but just think about it. <laughs> so these people stand up and just think about their most embarrassing secret. And he would be able to guess the secret without them saying anything based on their body language. So like this woman had this thing where she like, I think she like shit herself in a, a public bathroom or something. Like something awful happened. But she was like covering her stomach when she was talking. So it, like he narrowed it down that based on the fact that she was covering her stomach, it was something to do with like something she had eaten. And like he starts narrowing it down on stage and he breaks it down and eventually he just works it out. <gasps> and it's all based on just like body language and how you present yourself and how you like say certain things and like how you carry yourself that you can get information out of people. It was crazy. It was Darren Brown. Have you ever seen amazing. Darren Brown stuff? Uh, I, I bet I would recognize his face. He's like a British I'm, dude. The thing that I, I was introduced to him was he was in the UK doing a thing where he goes, today we're going to buy some stuff without any money. And he basically just has pieces of blank paper that are in the oh, shape of I've, money. Yes, I've and seen And he this. just says, like, he'll go to a hot dog stand and be like, oh, 350 Is that all right? And then he puts the money on the table. It's not money. It's just paper. And he goes like, oh, that's all right, isn't it? Is that all right? 350 Okay, cool. Thanks. And then he walks away. And then they pick up the, the thing. And you just see them, like, slowly realize, wait, this isn't money. But when it's happening, he literally counts blank that's pieces so of paper in front of their weird. face. And they accept it as money. Oh. It's Dude, the magic world is so, so yeah. it's endless. Well, I love magic. It's crazy. I've, I've. It's a, a part of my history that I can't run away from. It's always there. I mean, when you do magic in front of drunk people oh at my a party, God. yeah, you the 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 reaction you get. I mean, I remember there's that YouTuber called Collins Key. You know Collins Key. Yes. He. Yeah. I remember I would go to like all of those like YouTube parties, and he was always there doing magic and people just couldn't believe what was happening he was like the talk of the party he was doing he just had a deck of cards on him people were going wild for it people couldn't believe what was happening so maybe that's my thing it's music which i haven't done yet and then just (laughs) card tricks (laughs) so uh i put together a book called this month love in 2016 which is a book of curated love letters from uh, my youtube audience and people around the world and we basically asked my audience a question. Uh, we asked them five questions in total, and they would uh, write a letter in response to that and then send it in. So one of the questions was like, what would you say to your ex? Uh, what would you say? What do you want to say to your crush? What would you say to your future love? And so they would write a letter to this person, and they would send it to me. And then we compiled them all into a book of, of love letters. And uh, one of the love letters in the book was about well, actually, a lot of them were about long-distance relationships. I think a very uh, uh, common topic nowadays in the in the internet world. And uh, I I kind of 
I had been in a long distance relationship and I'd seen a lot of these stories about it in the book. And so I wanted to kind of adapt that. Yeah, it's a lovely book. And every time I walk into a bookstore, I always go and look for Will's book to find it. I did have a copy, but I, I gifted it to somebody else. But it's in also different languages as well, right? Like German. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So you, you've sort of, even though you're not a professional soccer player, worldwide musician, it sounds like you still have found some success as Willie, Will Derbyshire. The uh, yeah. writer, the photographer, the filmmaker, the magician. There's, there's, there's yeah. still some Willie stuff Willie D, here. he's the man of many hats. Listen, 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 Mike. I've lived, I've lived a lot of different lives. It, you know, it, if it wasn't magic, it wasn't my gaming career, <laughs> it wasn't my failed attempt at playing football, it, it's, it's, it's been YouTube for the last couple of years. Who, who knows what's next? I don't know what's going to happen. You and Arden, though, have a podcast as well, right? Yes, uh, we do. It's called Crash on My Couch. Uh, check it out. We upload every Thursdays. We talk about absolute nonsense in the best way. We try and talk about things which are just pure escapism. So it's things that we wouldn't normally get to talk about, but we get to sit down and chat about for an hour. So uh, one of the last episodes we did was about Fen's Treasure, oh. which for those of you who don't know what that is, it's uh, a treasure which a guy called Forrest Fenn buried about 10 years ago and forest fan was like a an artifacts dealer to the celebrities so stars would come to him and they'd be like listen i want like a an egyptian uh statue from the from the egyptian period and i want it in my house and he would source the items for those celebrities so over the course of his entire life he uh, accumulated a bunch of different really expensive artifacts totaling up to two million in this chest put them in this old like antique chest buried them and uh, wrote a poem with uh, basically a treasure map in it but actually uh, he wrote the poem because he thought he was going to die of terminal cancer so he thought he was going to die this was his last thing that he was going to do to get people outdoors and spending time you know in the mountains being outside yeah so the poem he put out is essentially the clue and it's all these kind of nature elements it's almost like a robert frost style poem or but the something poem is like the map as to where the treasure is yes but people were speculating it it was in like three different states it was either like montana wyoming or what was the other one will uh montana wyoming and colorado and it was found recently right yeah it was found and there's there's like a mystery around how it was found nobody knows I mean, five people have died trying to find this treasure. Oh, so what? There was, there was like this ongoing thing to try and find it, and it was found. And so a lot of people are asking for answers because, you know, people have wasted their their <laughs> and he's still their livelihoods trying to find this thing. Yeah, he's still alive. Uh, yeah, he's still alive. So he didn't die of cancer. He uh, actually went to remission, and so this entire time he's been kind of overseeing this like insane treasure hunt happening. And uh, yeah, it was found, uh, I think, last month. A picture of the chest came out, but the guy that found it apparently said to Forrest Fenn that he didn't want his identity to be, identity to be out there. He didn't want anyone to know where it was buried. It's a smart, which is kind of yeah. shitty, yeah. Well, it's actually. A, uh, but it's kind of smart because now you don't want to be a target for everyone in your life saying, oh, you just got $2 million. <laughs> hey, how about a $5,000 loan, yeah, bud? You could, you could show where you found it, though. Like, no, no, after it's been found, who cares where it is or where it was? There's been an ongoing thing on the podcast where I've just been obsessed with treasure and I'm obsessed with national treasure because it is the most iconic treasure hunting movie. Um, <laughs> so much so that they're making a third one. 
at the moment, which is ex- very exciting news. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I we I've been obsessed with treasure for ages, just because I mean, there's got to be there's got to be no better feeling than just digging down through the soil, hitting that clink, hitting that metal click, pulling it up, dusting it off, and opening it up. And realize you found $2 million in treasure from a poem that's five people. Yeah, find $2 million. Wow. That's incredible. I I didn't know this story at all. I was reading, uh, there was an article recently about how like 90% of treasure that's found is found through like metal detectors. Like... Like, uh, it might even be, like, 95%. Like, 95% of treasures found with, like, little metal detectors. Like, there is nothing romantic or exciting about how this... Like, all the stuff you see in a museum, most of it's found by some guy walking around a beach with a metal detector. Like, it's not as, uh, it's not as sexy as it's made out to be. Uh, can you imagine finding the treasure, walking down the trail with the treasure in hand, and then some other guy is walking up the trail on the way to go look for it. Go and look for it. Be like, is that the? Oh no 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 no! I just work with the uh, the, the parks. I'm just out here cleaning. <laughs> this. It's funny because uh, I mean it's one of those things. Where, like you know when you imagine yourself winning the lottery, you're like, okay, I win a hundred million dollars. What how, what do I do with a hundred million dollars? Like how do I how do I like go about the steps? to like move on with my life like do i do i give money to people do i tell people i've made money do people like there are all these things you need to do it's the same thing with like if you find something like that like what do you do with it because like there's stuff like if you if you find something buried on somebody else's land technically they own it do you give it to a museum do you just like look at it in your house yeah like there, there are all these things where like they don't ever go into like logistics of what you do with it when you found yeah, it. Yeah, especially if you're a person who has zero experience and no expertise right. on an artifact. How do you go to some historian and be like, "Oh, this is this is from the 1800s." Yeah, it's not a check and, for two million yeah, dollars. You, you got to go find an art dealer, find a museum curator, and start like uh, a whole uh, new career of selling this stuff to get your money's worth. I would just go on the antique road show show and then like have your moment where they they go, "Here we are with Matt. He has this uh, antique compass," and they're like, oh, "Matt, this is so rare. This is this is worth oh, well over half a million dollars." Like, yeah. Oh, also, I have yeah. this, and you just keep you pulling, pulling out stuff out of your every pockets and just keep go, oh, their minds. I have an, actually another one. Can you tell me how much this is worth? Yeah, and they're like, hold I mean, on a second. Have you ever seen that show on, like, I think it's on the Discovery Network called Storage Wars? Uh, yes, yeah, where huge over people here. go to the storage units and they bid on them, but they don't know what's inside yeah. of it. I saw there was this one I saw where like this guy they bid on this storage unit. No one knows how like. I mean, I, I don't know how much they bid on it, but it wasn't that much money uh, in the grand scheme of things anyway. And uh, inside was this old artist's, like, entire library of artwork. And this artist is, like, a massive artist that had died. And the reason why it was stuck in this, like, storage thing was because when he had died, he just left it there. So this guy ends up making, like, millions because he sold all these paintings they were just sitting there it, but, the, but and the artist was famous already yeah the artist was a famous oh. artist i'm not sure who it was but it, all they had like 
30 massive canvas canvases like just sitting there there were just all his, all his drafts and he just forgot about them that's so similar to maybe fi- it's similar yeah. to like finding vivian meyer have you seen that documentary no. yes never seen yes. it mike no oh my gosh it's a story about a a guy who it's similar to like a storage uh wars situation where he found a just a trunk at an auction but it hadn't been opened and he opened it up, he bit on it, and it was filled with all of these photographs, but like incredibly well-done photos, all taken by this mysterious woman. Oh, I've read about this, and it's like from like back in the day, like in the early 40s or something? Yes, and she was this nanny. Yeah. It's a complete mystery. I don't want to spoil it to any of the listeners, but I highly recommend seeing yeah. the documentary. What's it called? It's incredible. Finding, it's incredible. Finding Vivian Meyer. Okay. And it was a young kid, like our age, who found it. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's that was like an ultimate treasure discovery. Um yeah. is there anything else we want to talk about that we didn't Wow, was that a whole other hour? Yeah. Damn, this one flew by. Oh yeah. Yeah, this flew um, by. What else could we hit? Uh, I, just, I want like one, we can do like one more story, I think. Will's been my like go-to therapist. Oh like, yes, and I, I know. And Will was uh there was last year we were at Disney World, Will and Lauren were helping me with a, a girl situation back then too. That oh yeah. Very helpful. Yes, oh, yes, yes, yes. Arden was just such a badass. She's like, Are you fucking kidding me, Mike? Don't put up with that bullshit. And I was like, Oh wow, okay. <laughs> Maybe she's right. Oh yeah. Arden is the yeah. one to talk to anytime you need advice yeah. of a woman's perspective. <laughs> yeah. Well, we miss you a lot, Will, and we, we're glad you're doing well in, in the UK there, but we... Yeah, we miss you. We miss you guys as well. Yeah, I mean, hopefully at some point we can have you guys in the UK as well. We'd love to We'd love to have you out here. I mean, Mike, I've I've never we, I, I've never seen you out here before. I've uh, Matt's been out here a few times over the last couple of years. Yeah, I've only um, been to London like for 24 hours one time, so I would love... And to be in London with two of the best people yeah. I know, it oh, would be so much fun. It's such a great fun. time, and I love Will's friends... They are so hospitable and they're so sincere and it's just the nicest time ever anytime I'm out in London. And we should do another trip while we're just in Europe in general because it's a beautiful continent to explore. But Will, thank you again so much for being on this podcast. Is there anything else that you want to plug? I know we talked about your book. Your YouTube channel, your films, no. your own podcast with Arden. No, just check out the podcast. It's called Crash My Couch. It's on Spotify. It's on iTunes. We upload every Thursday. So give that a listen if you got some time. That's that's it. Well, thank you once again, Will, for being on this podcast. We love you so much. I can't wait to see you again in person. Love you, buddy. See you guys. All right. Bye. 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 Bye.